So we're going to be covering today the fifth Sicha Parsha Bereshis in volume 15 that the Rebbe spoke in 1966 and it was published in 1976. The theme is like this. The world was going good. God created the world. As we all know, the beginning of creation, Hashem said, Kitov, on most of the days of the week, He said, Kitov, it was good. Tuesday, it said twice the words Kitov. Monday, it didn't say Kitov. But the majority of the days, it said Kitov. It was good. But then we find, as the population of the race of human beings and animals were starting to grow and populate the world, Hashem all of a sudden sees that the world is bad. Now, from Adam, the first human being, until Noah is considered to be 10 generations. Now, the world was becoming so corrupt, promiscuity was on its highest level, there was rape going on, there was, there was pe- people... Um, stealing other people's spouses. And according to Rashi, brings two opinions that the animal race was also completely corrupt, that animals were mating with other kinds of species. And Hashem sees that the world is so corrupt and He decides that He's going to destroy the world. He's going to bring the flood. What's important is is that there are certain nuances of words that are used in the Parsha that makes us fall off a chair. We have words and expressions that Hashem regrets certain things of this world. Hashem is changing his mind in how he wants the world to go. So these are very interesting um, uses of words that need clarification. What we're going to focus on is on one verse, which is the second to the last verse of Parsha Bereshis, in the first Parsha of the whole Torah. And I'm going to read to you the verse. It's in the end of Parsha Bereshis. It says the following. God says, after the world is so completely corrupted, He says, Ki he says, I have changed my mind. I've changed my mind of of this that I made. Which is a very interesting statement. God's changing his mind. So, first of all, who decided that the word nichamti actually means he changed his mind? How do we know what any word in the Torah actually means? How do you know what's the translation? So our sages helped us to learn this by explaining to us that there's a context of the wording, what's going on in a verse, in a chapter, a narrative that's going on, and then you have to look the same word in other places and see what's the translation in other places so that you could figure out what's the translation in this place. So the verse itself says, Ki nichamti ki Rashi says, what does the word nichamti mean? He says, Chishavti malases. I was, I'm thinking, what should I do? 
God's saying, I, I'm thinking what I should do. The world became so corrupt. There are such evil people in this world. So I'm thinking what to do. That's the words that Rashi uses. Chishavti malases. I'm thinking what to do. Al asher asisem asisim on what I made. I'm thinking what I should do. What should be the plan of action? Now, the Rebbe is going to ask now three questions on this Rashi. Rashi has this bold statement that Nichamti means I'm thinking what I should do with this world. Number one is, he says Nichamti, we know, does not mean I'm thinking what to do. Nichamti actually means I'm regretting what I did. There's a big difference when you say, I regret what I did, or I'm thinking about with what I did, if it's good or not. Regret means I'm certain that this was a bad thing. I'm thinking about it is a different approach. I'm thinking about it means I'm not so sure that it's bad, but I'm thinking about it. So seemingly, the word nechamti we know means regret, charata in Hebrew, charata. So I would think that in the when you talk about literal translation of words, nichamti should be that I regret of what I did. I regret that I made these kind of evil people. Like the Targum Taich translates. We have learned a number of times that there's a number of translators, early, early translators of the Torah, especially some really early authentic translations that we rely on tremendous amounts. And one of them is known to be the translation from a convert named Unculus. Unculus, Targum Unculus is one of the most well-known translations of the Torah. And in this case, there's another Targum that also translates the Torah. It's called Targum Jonathan or Yonatan. Now, the translation from the Targum Yonatan is not always a literal translation. Because many times he says, let me translate it based on a homiletical interpretation of the word. So he uses homiletical insight, which is like medrash, drush. But Targum Unculus, which is specifically a translation for a literal translation of words without getting into mystical or homiletical insights of meanings, they say that Nichamti means regret. That Hashem is saying that I regret making these kind of people. So why, when it comes to Rashi, Rashi already made his principal statement earlier on in Chumash, in the Parsha Barashas. He said that my commentary is here to teach literal meaning of the content of the Torah. I'm not here to tell you homiletical insights, you know, a mystical insight. That's not my function. The function of my translation of the Torah is literal translation. So why does Rashi take the word out of its literal context? Instead of saying that I regret what I created, Rashi says, I'm thinking about this, what I created. Now remember, if Rashi does use a different translation of a word, it must be because there's something pressing 
a serious issue with something that's going on here in this verse that's forcing Rashi to say that the literal translation cannot mean in this case that God says, I regret, it must be that he's thinking about it. So that's question number one. Why does Rashi choose a non-literal translation of the word and he uses a different meaning? Number two, one verse earlier in the same parsha. (laughs) <laughs> the verse says, in a verse before, it says like this, that God saw how bad man was behaving on this world and all their thoughts in their hearts are terrible all day. And God regretted, Hashem, and he, Yunachem, again, we have to get to the word what Yunachem is. He, he, God, Yunachem, over the creation of man. And he was saddened in his heart. And Rashi says that when it says, it's to teach you that every time it says this word throughout biblical verses, it actually means one thing, that he had a change of mind. All over Tanakh, Rashi is saying that it's a fundamental rule, that this word in the entire Tanakh will always means a change of thought. Before I thought this way, and now I realize I shouldn't be thinking that way. I'm going to think a different way. Meaning, it's a regret for thinking a certain way. Well, based on this principle, rule that Rashi just says in one verse before, then this word in our verse here that says, Ki nichamti, I have nichamti over what I created. Rashi should have stuck with the same word. That nichamti means I have regret. But Rashi says, no, he says, over here, Nichamti means that I'm thinking about what I created. Doesn't say he's changing his mind, doesn't say he's regretting it. So what happened? You just said one verse before that this word always connotes the idea of regret, a changing of your thinking, of your thoughts. Now you're telling me that it means I'm thinking what, what, what I did? So how does Rashi come to this change of translation of the world, a word? Now, we could say, like it makes sense to say, that Rashi does not want to translate the word nichamti in, a, in an expression of regret, that God's saying, I regret what I made. Why? Because a child, and Rashi already taught us already earlier in today's parsha that he's, all his commentary is meant to be understood by even a five-year-old child. That's how literal he likes to teach us. So a child could say that, and every child understands, that by God you can't say the concept that he regrets. God's not a human being. We can't use that terminology about God that he regrets something. As we have in a verse later on in the Torah, which we're only holding the first Parsha, so it could be expected that you don't know something that's going to come up in Parsha Balak, which we're going to read later on in the year. But over there it says, God is not a man. God's, God's not a man who could lie, who lies. And he's not a person that regrets something that he did. He's not a human being that has those characteristics. So therefore, 
we could say that why does Rashi not use the translation that God regretted what he made and he says a different interpretation because a kid would it say that it's not possible to say this expression about God that he regrets. But he says this answer will not suffice at all. Because just one verse earlier, Rashi said that Vayinachim Hashem does mean regret. And he says that God changed his mind the way he had it before. And even more, amongst the proofs that Rashi brings in the verse before, that this words, that the, that word Vayinachim Hashem means regret or a change of, of, of way of thinking, he brings down many verses, the same verse from Balak, that he's not like man who regrets. And nevertheless, he says that here it does mean regret. That means, for whatever reason, Rashi is not bothered by this kind of question, how could it be that to say this idea about God that he regrets? Clearly, the Rashi is not bothered, for whatever reason. And he brings a number of verses. A bunch of verses with the same theme that he regrets. So even though in all of them it's talking specifically about God, nevertheless he says that God changed his mind or had a different thought now. So why in this context is there a problem for Rashi to say, I regret for, for making this creation. Why does Rashi here say it doesn't mean regret, it means I'm thinking about what I created. There must be a reason for this. Now, by the way, in a, uh, in a footnote, just taking you on this side, small ride here. In a footnote, he brings down from, a, uh, from an answer that the Talmud brings down about a famous uh, sage named Rabbi Yeshua ben Karcha. He answered to a heretic that once was challenging him on questions and he quoted a, and he quoted this idea that God regrets. How could it be? Is God a human being? Anyway, in his dialogue to this heretic, he had answered him that the Torah always speaks in the way people speak. In other words, the language, the way Torah uses about God is just using euphemisms of words so we could a little bit relate to Hashem, right? When it says God has an outstretched arm, he took us out of Egypt with a mighty arm, mighty arm, doesn't have an arm. But it will use expressions just so we could be able to a little bit to relate it. Otherwise, you would have no way to be able to relate it. And therefore, he says, of course, there's no such a concept really in the essence of it that God regrets. Anyway, but that's just bringing that down regarding that debate. But back to here is that if it's possible that Rashi does point out a verse earlier that Hashem regretted something that he made... And he's changing his way of thinking now. So why in this case here, when it says, I see the world is so bad and I am Nichamti, instead of saying it means regret, Rashi says it means I'm thinking about what I created. Number three, that's the second question. The third question is, according to Rashi, that Nichamti means that I'm thinking about what I created. It's not understood. The next word, the next word says, I'm thinking of what I made. What do you mean you think about what you made? In other words, you're thinking about, is the, it's why am I thinking? Because something that I made, that the reason why I'm thinking is because I made something. We already said before that the things that you made turned out to be very bad. There were very bad people in the world. And even animals, as I brought, brought down before. 
who were sinning. So why, what does it mean? I'm thinking about what they created. I'm just thinking about it. Why do you, what, what's the connection to the word? I'm thinking about what I made. We already said that what you made was the things that were not good. So what's the connection of those two words? So let's summarize the three questions before we go to the answer. The question number one, one is that Nihamti seems to have a translation of regret. So why in this case does Rashi change the use of word? And he says that it doesn't mean regret, but he said it means I'm thinking about it. Number two, we asked the question that even though you could think that some people won't want to use the word regret about God because it doesn't make sense, but in this case, Rashi himself says that in the, in the verse before that God does have the concept of changing his mind and regretting from one thought and going to another one. So what would be the problem to say it here? And number three, what's the connection to the next word that I'm thinking about what I'm made? We already know what you made. So why do you have to say that word here? So he says, in order to understand this, we have to first go back and understand another quote that Rashi said in this same verse that is also seemingly not understood on the literal level of learning. Now remember, I just want to refresh ourselves. We have learned a number of times that in learning Torah, for the, the generalizing speaking, there are four layers of learning. There's the pshat, which means the simple understanding of the, of the narrative, the verses and translation and the meaning. Then you could have hints to ideas. Then you could have the homiletical interpretation. And then you could have the secrets of the meanings of the words. So there's four layers. But the first thing is to go in order to get the concept of the literal meaning here. So in the verse, it says here like this. Again, let's re- recount this verse itself that we're talking about. Again, the second to the last verse of Parsha Bresha says like this, Vayoymer Hashem, and Hashem said, Emche es ha'adam. I'm going to Emche. What does the word Emche mean? So Rashi says, not the way normally the word Emche is translated. He says, Emche here means something else. He says, Rashi, what it means is like this. Emche is that there's earth. And Hashem said, I'm going to bring water onto the earth. And I'm going to dissolve and make it like into a liquid. I'm going to basically take it apart. So the earthy sand, you know, like, like, like a human being made out of earth. Right? That's why we're called Adam, where, where the human beings were made from, uh, from, the body is made from, from earth. So he says, I'm going to bring water to this. And is like Michoy, it's like melt it. So when God says, I'm going to dissolve the man. I'm going to melt him down. That's very different than the regular translation of the word emcha. Normally, we have other verses. For example, we have emcha as zecher amolek. You should wipe out the amolekins. Mache timcha. Those are expressions about the amolekins, who are the epitome and the beginning of the concept of anti-Semites, who went against the Jews to kill them for no good reason. 
So these Amalekims, Hashem said, we're going to wipe them off there. We're going to wipe them out. But over here, by this story, before Noah and the flood, Hashem says, Em Ches Adam says, Rashi, what this means is, I'm going to put the earth, I'm going to put water on it, and I'm going to, you know, melt it down. I'm going to like wipe it away, erase it. But that's different than wiping out. And it's so obvious that the word Emcha means wiping out that by the Amalekans, he doesn't even have any translation on that word. It says after the, when the Amalekans attacked us, God said, We're going to wipe them out. Doesn't just, you don't need any translator. It's obvious what that means. We're going to get rid of them completely. But over here, that I'm going to emche the, the man, mankind, Rashi has to say something, and he says, what does it mean? I'm going to bring water, and I'm going to erase it, melt it out. Well, why? Why does Rashi have to take the word out of a simple translation? It, it could work well with the context here, seemingly. It could just say, God said, I'm going to, after all this terrible behavior in the world, I'm going to wipe them out, emche. Why doesn't Rashi just keep with the simple translation? Emcha means wipe out. Why does he change the translation here? And the answer is, in the continuation of the context what we're talking here, in the upcoming next week's Parsha, called Parsha Noach, we find that God tells Noach that he should make an ark where he and his children, him and his sons, and his wife, and his son's wives, and many different kinds of animal species spelled out later, will go into this ark to be saved from the flood. So he says, in that case, we can't say that the word here means wipe out the human race. Because we're not going to be wiping out the human race. God actually will be saving the human race. He's going to spear the human race through Noah and his family. By the way, the fact that the verse later says, the Rebbe doesn't bring it here, but it's brought down next week's parasha. The fact that the order of the words, it says Noah and his sons, his wife and his son's wives, in that order, instead of saying him and his wife and his sons and their wives, is because during the time when the world was in sorrow under the flood, it was forbidden for Noah and his wife to be together in the ark and his sons and their wives. That's why the verse separates the men, all the men, and then says all the women because they were not allowed to be together while the world was suffering. And they should have their own enjoyment. But back to here, we can't say, now Now we realize why Rashi has to take the word emcha and say it cannot mean literally that it means wipe out mankind because we're not going to be wiping out mankind even though he says from man to beast and from creatures to the birds in the skies that they will all perish in the flood because not everybody uh, perished. Some of the human beings lived and some of the animals and some of the birds lived, whatever Noah was told to bring into the ark. That we so, therefore, Rashi cannot say that Emcha means here, like it means by the Amalekan subject, that it means wipe away completely. And the truth is, you don't even have to go to next week's Parsha. In our Parsha alone, there's one more verse in our Parsha. And our Parsha, it says, V'noyach, that's the concluding verse, 
Noach found favor in the eyes of God. In God's eyes. So you can't say that he's going to, I'm going to, Hashem said, I'm going to erase the human race that I created. Meaning the entire race, every single human being. Because Noach was not isolated together with everybody in this case. Because it's like like the last words of the Parsha. Noah found favor in God's eyes. And the truth is, you don't even have to come to the proof of the next verse. In this verse alone, the verse says that when you see a world with people and all kinds of animals, it becomes clear that by erasing man, if a man to beast, Hashem does not mean to erase the entire race, the entire species of mankind or all of animal. It's clearly only a certain people that are bad, but not everybody. Therefore, Rashi comes to the conclusion that Emcha over here, different than like by the Amalekans, means that I will make it run. I will like dissolve it. I will melt it down. I will erase it. I'll make it like water. That I'm going to bring all this water on the sand that it won't be clay sand anymore. It will just run, run like water. And it's not a contradiction to the fact that Noah went into the ark with his family. And, the, and they survived this decree. Because they were not from those that had to get erased. When you say I'm going to melt it down, it doesn't mean everything. So those that were in the ark were saved from this water. Clearly, they weren't part of this water that came down to dissolve down the human person, the human people, or the bad people. Based on this idea now that we got to understand that when the verse says, I'm going to emche es Adam, it doesn't mean I'm going to erase the Adam, the human race, of the human species. It just means I'm going to wash them down so they'll be like the earth just running like water. Based on this understanding, we can now understand why when it says nichamti, it means not that I regretted what I made, but it means I'm thinking about what I made. Because when Noah and whoever went with him into the ark were speared, it became clear that Hashem did not have regret on what he created of a human race. Because if so, he should have wiped out every one of the human race. So it's not that Hashem had a regret on the entire creation that he made of the human race of people. And it's not a contradiction to the rule that he said in the verse before, that every time it does say the word nicham, it actually means regret. It means like I changed my mind from this to something else. Because even this context, nichamti, over here, which means I'm thinking about it, it's a different kind of regret because it's only in the thought process. It's not in regret in an actuality process step. As we're soon going to learn the difference of a regret stage that you have in mind or a regret stage once you already did something. We're soon going to learn that difference. But in order to understand this difference, we have to first also clarify another important point. We could ask a question. How could you say that when Noach and his family that went into the ark, they stayed alive 
And Rashi tells you that it doesn't mean that God regretted what he made on, their, on creating them when Rashi already said in the verse before that this word does mean regret. Now, what, was the, what, what would be the regret? So the regret concept would be like this. When Hashem created the world, He created the world only with the attribute of kindness. Then Hashem saw kindness alone is not enough. So he brought the attribute of din, which means judgment, which is severe, severity. Think of this concept a little bit. Let's try to use a small analogy. You have a person that's threatening to hurt you. And you say, you know what? I'm going to play nice guy with him. How could I be not nice? Did the person ever do something bad? No. So I'm not going to act. I'm going to be a merciful person. Maybe you're right. But as soon as that other person acts bad, now there's no more room for you to be merciful. Now you have to go to the category called judgment. That means no more playing games. We're not compromising anymore. Compromise could work at a certain stage. But now we're working with the law. No more compromise. You did something wrong. Here's your punishment. You didn't do it wrong. Okay, we could, we, you could go for a walk. There's no more room. Mercy is before you go to court. Compromise you could do before you go to court. But not once it goes to court. In other words, once the evil is already there. There's no more option anymore. So when Hashem, what did He change in the beginning? He created the world. Yeah, we'll do just Rahmanas. Just the attribute of Rahmanas. We won't bring in judgment into the situation. Right? As we all know, when we pray, we always ask God, please have mercy on me. Why? Because we know if we were pushed to the corner, maybe I am 100% guilty. And I don't want God to judge me based on 100% if I really deserve it or not. Have compassion. Even if I don't deserve it 100%, please give it to me anyways, right? So now, on the other hand, we could say that in that verse alone before, you could ask the same question. If Hashem had a change, of, a, 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 change a harata, a regret, um, that He created the, the human race, how could He keep any of the human race? I get it in our verse. You're telling me that doesn't mean regret. But in the verse before you said it does mean that he regretted creating this human race. So if you did regret, then I have a question on the verse before. How come you did leave part of the human race in existence to continue? In other words, our question is, what's the difference that in one verse you say, Hashem, Hashem saw what's, what's happening and Hashem, Hashem had regret. And the next verse it says, And God said, I'm going to wipe out the people, and I'm nichamti, I'm thinking about what I created. What's the difference? How come one verse is leading us to the idea that he regretted, and the next verse it leads to the idea that he's just thinking about it? What is ultimately the difference between these two verses that there's such a difference of translation? Now again, we have to force ourselves to think about and analyze the difference of these two verses, which the Rebbe is going to help us to do, to analyze. And really, once you see this, this way of learning this, next time you're going to, after the class, you'll open up a Chumash and you're going to see it yourself. It's black and white.
So the explanation of the two verses is the following. In the first verse, it says like this. Let me read again the words. Vayinachem Hashem and Hashem had a change of mind, a regret of what he created of man, el and he was saddened on his heart. What does that teach us? That we're talking about a decree that came before God said that there should be a decree. In other words, it was a decree only in the thought. It came to his heart. He was saddened in his heart. What does that mean? Your heart is like you're thinking, you're inside. He didn't say anything yet about wiping out anybody. He just thought about it. In other words, he thought about it with himself. God didn't express this thought anywhere. Like Rashi in other places tells you that a change of thought or it entered my mind or I have a different way of thinking. He still didn't, it's just thinking. It's in the stage of thinking. And since this idea was only in thought, there's no question why didn't it happen in reality, that he didn't wipe away the entire race. Because at that point, it was only in thought. It didn't come down into speech. There's a major difference once Hashem says, this is the way it is. Let's, let's, use, our, uh, let's use a small example our, ourselves with a judge in a court. If a judge thinks in his head, maybe this should be my ruling, but he doesn't actually verbalize it, he doesn't write up the, 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 the case, he could change it until he actually verbalizes and says, guilty or not, right? Until he makes that announcement. It's just in the thought. But in the, this verse that we're talking about now, here it says, Hashem. And Hashem said, Ah, we all know when Hashem talks, it's action. We already had that in the beginning of the Parsha, right? Hashem said there should be a world. He said there should be heaven and earth. And it was. Hashem's utterance is like ha- action. So here, once he says it, it's a decree. So when Hashem says a decree, it has to happen. Once he says it, it has to happen. Therefore, we cannot interpret our verse when he said there should be emcha, that it should mean that he said that there should be a wiping out of the entire race. You can't say that because we know it. he didn't wipe out the entire race. He left a portion of the human race to continue and to start over from there. He left a portion of the animal world in order that it should continue from there. People always ask, what did the animals do wrong that he had to destroy all the animals? Rashi brings down that they were mating with each other, I mentioned earlier. So the the point is, is that there's a difference in the two verses. When do we say Hashem had a change of thought? That's only in the thought part. part. But when it comes to the actuality, over here, Hashem already says it. Once he says it, you can't interpret it anymore that it means a race. It has to mean something else. Therefore, what does it mean? I'll bring down the water. The water will go just like a person's made from sand. So it will melt it and that's it. Doesn't mean the entire race. Based on this comes out that when Hashem says something, it must mean 
that he's telling us that there's a difference than the way it is in the first before. Before it was thought, over there, there was a change of thought. In the thought stage, it was to erase the whole human race and animal race. But later when Hashem says, Em Ches Adam, over there, it means only through the water, which means a part, not Noach, and not all his family, etc. What happened that it changed? Why did it change? Why did it change to a lighter punishment? In the third to the last verse, it's a thinking, I'm going to erase the whole the whole race. In the next verse, it's only most of it, but only the bad people, not the entire human race. So that we can understand with the last verse, the last words of the verse. It says, I thought about it, because I made it. It's my creation. I made it myself, Hashem is saying. I created it. They're my, my handiwork. So therefore, I must find a way to keep it in existence. And therefore, I'm only going to erase things by melting it down, and therefore some will stay. Because, because I made it myself. It was the Maise Yad of Shalak Kaddish Baruch, his, his work. Now, based on this, we understand that the translation of Rashi Nichamti does not mean regret. It means, I thought about what I did. It's not a contradiction to every time where it says Nichum that it means a regret. Because even here, there was a regret, but a different kind of regret. In other words, it was a take back from what I thought about. When I thought about it, I thought I'm going to erase the whole human race. But then in reality, when I said it, I said I'm not. So it was a change that he went less of a punishment than only the evil, and not everybody has to be wiped out. Now from this, the Rebbe deduces two fascinating lessons that we can learn from this Rashi. As we said, Rashi cannot translate this word that God said, I'm going to erase and it means wipe them all out and therefore and I have regret for what I created. Like in the first time what it means regret because here it says, Hashem. Because here Hashem said, once he said it, now it's going to really have to happen. When it comes to really have to happen, he doesn't want to take away the entire human race. When it comes to, uh, now I'm not going to, when I say it, I'm going to be a little more careful. Because once you say something, it has to happen. This is the lesson. Look how careful we have to be on things that we say out of our mouth. Because since righteous people and all Jews are called the Amir Kulat Sadikim, we're all considered to be righteous people. Every single Jew is considered to be Amir Kulam Sadikim, righteous people. And righteous people are comparable to the creator of the world. Therefore, that means that when a Jew says something, it actually has an effect. It, it, it does resemble something. And therefore, we have to be so careful not to say out something with our mouth that's negative on us, another Jew or another person in general. Because when you say it, it creates an action. It actually happens in some way. When you think bad about somebody else in your mind, it's true that that's a pretty bad sin. But at least it won't hurt the other person as much than if you actually said the insult or the curse. So if you think a curse about somebody or think a bad thing, that's one level. That's bad. It's not a good thing at all. 
but it's not as bad as when you say it out of your mouth. That's sometimes, what do they say? Sometimes you say something to somebody and you can't retract it. Right? That's why you always tell people, be careful what you say. Once you say it, you can't go back on that. Therefore, with this we can understand a very well-known Talmudic, and the Rambam brings it down, an idea about Lashon Hara, about talking evil talk, slander talk, about another person. Talmud says that whoever speaks Lashon Hara, you're killing three people. Who's the three people that get hurt when you speak Lashon Hara? The person who's saying the Lashon Hara, the person who's hearing the Lashon Hara, and the person who you're talking about. And the famous question is, whoa, if you and I are talking, okay, so we should get a sin. Why does the guy that we're talking about, why does he get considered to be hung for this too? What did he do wrong? And the answer is what we just said. Speech makes it a reality. So if you and I talk, slander talk about somebody else, now, unfortunately, there's a slander, there's a negative on that person's shoulder too. Because speech creates the anger and creates what happens there. Because when you speak, Hashem is very, sorry, when, when you think, when you think alone, Hashem could be patient. It says God is very slow to anger and so on, right? Hashem is slow to anger. So it's possible that Hashem won't come out all the way. But once you say it out, that's terrible. So that's the first lesson. If you say something, if you think something, that's one thing. Say something. And by the way, probably it would be the same if you wrote something, it would be like saying it. So rethink before you send that text, that WhatsApp, that email. Think about it because what you say happens. That's lesson number one. One more lesson is from this Rashi. The reason why that regret on the creation, Hashem didn't say it in speech. There was only a regret in the level of thought, but not in speech. He thought about what to do. That means it's not enough that there's a decree. It shouldn't come out in speech, but even in thinking there was no final decision to wipe out the human race. That means to begin with, it was only a sign of regret, but without a conclusion what to do. And, th- and since he created them, it was the workmanship of God, and that changed the thought to the better. And therefore, Nayach and everybody that went in with him in the ark stayed alive. So that, that's what Rashi's pointing out. So the lesson for everybody is that even when you see God, God, may have, God have mercy on a second Jew, that you see a lot of evil and all the thoughts of man in his heart, you could see that they're terrible all day. This person is a evil human. You have to remember knowing that every Jew is created by the hands of God. Therefore, don't come to any conclusion about what the punishment should be for that person. Not even in your mind. Always give a person the benefit of the doubt. Judge them for zechut. When it comes to another Yid who was created so close, so affectionate by Hashem, 
find a way, if you, ha- if you feel like it's your obligation to think about so much about his evil, find a way, not to, for sure not to say it, and even if you're thinking about it, don't come to a conclusion in your mind what his punishment should be. Now, the Rebbe makes for us here a, a, a rationale way of thinking. He says like this, If by God, and God is the one who knows everything, He knows what's going on in your kishkis, in your heart, God knows everything. And God is, it's not possible for God to make a mistake, God forbid. And when he saw that the human race was so terrible, so he could have justifiably decided what the conclusion should be. And nevertheless, he did not finalize the thought that he's going to erase the entire human race. And he changed that when it came to the conclusion, when he said it, it was only the evildoers. Nevertheless, not nevertheless, how much more so when it comes to our person, which we all know humans can make mistakes. We all know. Most people or all humans are able to make a mistake. So certainly we cannot come to a conclusion for something negative on somebody else. Because it's possible that that punishment should never even have come to the other person. As the law of the Mishnah is, have a done as kol ha'adam lekafschus. It says kol ha'adam. You should judge the entire people for the merit. So that's a big point that you have to focus on this point that that we have to only judge people, never come to a final conclusion of punishment for somebody else. And with this, we conclude the sicha. So the two lessons is don't verbally say something negative on somebody else and also don't even think a conclusion of what a punishment should be on somebody else. It's not your job. L'chaim to everybody, we should continue to learn Torah and all the evil of the world as Hashem did then, He could take it away in a moment without all the challenges in the way. L'chaim. L'chaim.